This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 719 with Casey McGuire Davidson. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 719. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Casey McGuire Davidson helps busy women drink less and live more. She's a leader in the modern, sober, curious movement of women who are gray area drinkers going alcohol free. An ex red wine girl turned life and sobriety coach, Casey is passionate about helping women change their relationship with alcohol. She specializes in working with busy women with full calendars and overflowing to do lists who are doing all the things and then coming home and drinking to forget about all the things. Casey has helped thousands of women turn the decision to stop drinking from their worst case scenario to their best decision of their lives. Casey hosts the top 100 mental health podcast, the Hello Someday podcast for sober, curious women and gray area drinkers, which is ranked in the top 1% of all global podcasts. She's also the creator of the free 30 day guide to quit drinking and the sobriety starter kit, the sober coaching course that will teach you the step by step system you need to successfully take a break from drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. 
This is Casey's second time on the show, and I'm so excited to welcome her back. When we started talking about her coming back on the show, this time of year especially, it was a quick and easy yes for me because I know that so many people come into January considering dry January, reconsidering their relationship with alcohol. And I know there's a lot of women right now just really thinking through what does alcohol mean? Why am I using alcohol? Have I maybe been brainwashed into thinking that alcohol can solve all my problems? Casey and I get into all of that in our conversation today. So I know you're going to learn something. No matter where you fall on the spectrum of alcohol use, whether you are someone who is who doesn't drink at all, who's deciding to do dry January, who is maybe curious about sobriety or who's maybe not given it any thought, there's something for you in this episode. Listen in to hear Casey share where the concept of dry January comes from what it means and looks like to be sober curious, the science of alcohol and dopamine on our bodies and how it impacts our mindset, outlook, positivity, and joy in life. The stuff around dopamine was fascinating to me. How alcohol use contributes to our stress levels and overall anxiety. That was also fascinating to me. Steps to manage dopamine if you're choosing to not drink. The significance of the non-alcohol industry on the alcohol industry. And why alcohol works as an easy button and is also very maladaptive in terms of being used as an easy button or a coping mechanism. Lots of good stuff in here. I'm so grateful to Casey for coming back on the show. I love hearing from her. I love her work, and I'm so supportive of everything that she's doing and all the women that she's helping in the world. So with all that, please join me in welcoming back to the show, Casey McGuire-Davidson. Casey, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm super excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. I mean, I love you and I love your podcast. And so thank you. So one of my favorite things is when we have a guest come on the show and then I get to know them, I get to know their work and then I get to see them grow over time. And then they come back on the show. And this has been such the case with you. Like every time I see you post something new on social media, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's doing that now. She's doing that now. She had like that big win and she got to speak on that stage or with on that person's podcast or in that news outlet, like you're just consistently getting yourself out there, getting your message out there, growing your mission. It's been so incredible to watch. So can you tell people a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio right now? And what are you excited about? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, since we last talked, which was three years ago, and I absolutely loved meeting three years ago, I did not realize it was three years in my mind. It was like a year and a half ago. Well, I don't know if anyone listening to this knows Amy Porterfield, but we met at a conference and we sat down next to lunch together and I'm a sober coach. I help really successful women quit drinking. And you invited me on the Shameless Mom podcast. And I think I had the interview like the week before I left corporate to do this full time. So in the last three years, I I forgot that you were like full time in the pot. It's so wild. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, and so it was a huge moment for me. Thank you. And since then I have, you know, I know women listening to this or are, you know, moms who are, who are trying to lead really passionate and powerful lives. And I got to work full time helping women quit drinking. And it's been amazing. I started a podcast It's been really popular. I'm in the top 100 mental health podcasts, which is amazing amazing. to me. I have 140 episodes and get to talk to the most incredible authors and women and coaches and thought leaders, not just about 
quitting drinking, but about all the things that impact women and makes them want to check out of their lives or struggle with like anxiety. And you talked about perfectionism and, you know, burnout and marriage and relationships and raising kids and all the things, but also how do you walk away from alcohol as your main coping mechanism? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So good. And I think that when you started I know you were so motivated by your own personal journey and personal story in terms of how you went from drinking daily as a coping skill. And I think when you were last on the show, you shared like it was one to two bottles of wine at night and then every day swearing, like, I'm not going to do that again tonight, but then ending up doing that and moving from that to create a podcast about your, you're inspired by your journey. And then what you've done with it since then, in terms of creating tools and resources for women who are and we'll get into some of this terminology, but who are sober curious, which I think is an important thing for us to touch on. And then also people who know that like sobriety is a thing for them and that this is a path that they want to follow. You've just grown in so many ways in terms of how you are really facilitating and creating change for women so far beyond your own story. And I love that when we start with something that's really personal to us, that we then can move on to have such impact like this and see other women and other people go through similar transformations. It's just, oh, it's like, it's why we do the work we do. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to talk about dry January today. And I didn't even get a chance to tell you in our pre-interview because we had so much catching up to do, (laughs) but I have to tell you this great story. So I think it was two years ago in January, a whole bunch of women inside my membership decided to do dry January together. And I want to say we had like 50 or 60 women in the membership at that time. And I don't know, like 20 or so of them were like, we're going to do dry January. And I was kind of unaware, like I knew a few of them were doing it, but they started their own Marco Polo channel and their own like text thread, all these means of communicating with each other. And they had so much fun and made the best connections and like really intimate, deep friendships because they decided to do dry January together. And what was hilarious is those of us who like, not that we didn't get the memo, but we were just like, Oh, like, sure. If you want to do that, whatever. We were like, damn, like we all should be doing like, we're not in the club now. (laughs) We didn't know that like, there's this really unifying experience that can come out of making a commitment to something that can be really life altering. So Can you talk about the history of dry January a bit? And also, I think a lot of it is connected to the sober curious movement. And so maybe you can talk about both of those pieces together, because I think a lot of people who are sober curious, maybe start with dry January. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been really, really incredible over the last, I mean, dry January started nine years ago in the UK, where a nonprofit group called Alcohol Change UK started the movement with the goal of raising money for alcohol abuse and treatment. But since then, it really has jumped, especially in the last, you know, three, four years into just the public, you know, it's a term. Sober curious is a term. People like the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and Vogue UK And People Magazine are writing articles like, is the new most popular, you know, drink non-alcoholic or has everyone stopped drinking, which is amazing. It was an article in, I gave into the peer pressure to take a break from alcohol after like all my former cocktailers in arms were like stopping drinking for, you know, and it was totally sarcastic, which I loved for like practical reasons, like saving their marriage and their health or whatever it is, you know? 
And uh-huh. dry January has just grown like crazy to the point where one in five adults in the U.S. participated last year. I mean, that statistic is mind blowing to me. It's, it's amazing. It really is. And, you know, the concept is super simple. It is just after the holidays, after the new year, after you've been drinking for a really long time, the goal is the challenge is to not consume alcohol during the month of January. So for 31 days. And it really feeds in to the sober curious trend. So, Like I said, the Washington Post publishes articles like, is the sober curious trend here to stay? And the way it essentially has taken off is drinking over the pandemic. And it, you know, for women, it's been building for 20 years, has really gone in two separate and distinct directions, depending on really your generation. So I'm a Gen X and I'm 47 years old. And I quit drinking almost seven years ago. So I quit at the age of 40 after, you know, climbing the corporate ladder and having kids and being really successful, but while drinking a bottle of wine a night, you know, kind of seven nights a week, sort of vaguely hung over every day saying I would stop drinking by 6 PM. I was like, oh my God, fine. I'll just have one drink or two drinks tonight, you know, rinse and repeat. And so Baby boomers and Gen Xers are the biggest drinkers in our society. Really, you know, during the pandemic, women especially, they increased their drinking, their binge drinking by 41%. And women with children under the age of five by 300% during those sort of two years, which is incredible. On the other hand, Gen Z and millennials have really dropped off in their drinking to the point where like, I could not believe this stat, but 28% of Gen Z college students don't drink. I mean, to me, I was a keg girl in college, you know, like this was like, same, same. (laughs) I knew like one person who didn't drink and I couldn't figure out why. Um, I don't know if I knew any. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, I mean it was, it's just such a cultural, it's such a part of college cultures. That number is really fascinating. Yes. And so, you know, it. one of the cool thing is in millennials and Gen Z, they 57% said they'd rather go to the gym for an hour than to the bar. And 69%, literally 70% of them find heavy drinking culture boring, which if you think about our generation and our parents' generation, like cocktail hour is huge. Everybody is member of wine tasting clubs. Mom wine culture is in every meme and in every birthday card and tea towel. I mean, it's this huge shift of people going in two directions and based on the impact that alcohol is having on women, on Gen X women, in terms of literally people getting sick from alcohol, it is time for, you know, people in my generation, people in my parents' generation to get on the sober curious trend. And the cool Mm -hmm. thing is I see that. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is 
around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This is so fascinating to me and it's been interesting. I've cut back alcohol use quite a bit over the last number of years. I feel like I'm like the opposite of the pandemic numbers in terms of like, I rarely have more than one drink. Although like in all transparency, I'll have a drink on a semi-regular basis, but I rarely have more than one and really rarely have more than two. And when I'm out in social settings, if you don't drink very much for a while, like the idea of being hungover is so awful that you're like, like, I'm not willing to like be hungover the next day. So I will quickly, like after a drink or two, just switch to club soda, which is totally fine. I like, I'm good. But then I start noticing and like kind of collecting data around what's going on around me. And it is fascinating to see. And 
it only makes drinking less and less appealing to me when I see what like grown ass men and women are doing like 50 years old and like over drinking. And that sounds super judgy. And I don't want it to be like, I'm sitting like back with my club soda, like, you know, casting judgment, but it's just from a standpoint of data collection, recognizing like, it seems like it's supposed, it's supposed to equate to like more fun and more connection, but it kind of just equates to like more immature drama and like actually like a lack of intimacy in relationships, I think. I think there's this point of diminishing returns that happens pretty quickly, like either no drinks or a drink, like you might be good to have an authentic connection. And then the authentic connection starts going down dramatically after that, but that doesn't, it's not how it feels in the moment, which I'm sure you can speak to that. Like you have this weird sense of like, we're really connecting right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Not so much the case. Well, and I think that's what is so attractive about drinking, right? Yeah. I mean, we have been taught, if you think back to Sex in the City and Scandal and, you know, all these shows where the smart, powerful women are sort of like what they drink is a metaphor for who they are. You know, right. if you drink right. wine, you are sophisticated. <laughs> if you drink cocktails, you are a badass woman, you know, whatever right, right. it is. And so we've been taught since we were children that alcohol is something to be aspired to, that it's a privilege of adulthood. That and there's like an air of sophistication about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which you don't see in like the 50 year olds who are having on their like sixth drink. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, and at some point, you know, alcohol is an addictive mm-hmm. substance. I think that's something mm-hmm. that is glossed over by most people in society. And we do it on purpose. And we've been taught to do that. Like, even with the warning labels on alcohol, if you compare it to smoking, the message is drink responsibly, don't drink and drive, and don't drink if you're pregnant. Literally, Mm -hmm. what that assumes is that alcohol is completely innocuous for everyone else in society. Mm -hmm. And it's not true. Like, regardless of if you drink two drinks, you know, a night or one drink a night. So the recommended moderate amount of drinking it, every time you're not drinking, you are in physical withdrawal. It lowers your dopamine Mm -hmm. levels in your brain because it's spiking it so high. So you are not imagining the fact that you are less happy and more irritated and Mm -hmm. less patient when you are not drinking, because that's actually your body in withdrawal. And the substance itself makes you want to drink it more and more often. So it's sucking us down this path that we don't even realize. And if you drink on a regular basis, like I did, you probably don't even realize that you're operating at half power from what you could be in life. 100%. And this is where I love the work that you share. You just talked about something that I want to go back to, but this is when you're posting on social media and I will get to where everyone can follow you on social in a little bit, because everyone needs to be following all of your stuff on social media. Cause you post this research in these studies and it's like these glaring examples of like, oh, this is like, this is worse than we thought. But you just said that thing, this piece about dopamine and this piece about that it, when dopamine drops, so alcohol and tell me if I'm getting this wrong, alcohol spikes dopamine, which feels good withdrawal drops dopamine, which doesn't feel good. So that puts us in that place of if at six o'clock I'm feeling dopamine, a low dopamine low at 6 PM, then 
that hit that I get after the drink spikes it. And that's that vicious cycle of like, I want to just keep doing that every night. Tell me what we can do if we are having that dopamine drop. Does our body want, if we do something like a dry January, does our body over time re-regulate itself? Yeah. Yeah. So that we don't have that six o'clock, like, oh my God, I really need that right now. Or is there something else we need to be doing at six o'clock to like get the dopamine so that we can like override that in order to stay alcohol free? Yeah. I mean, what's really interesting is all the different ways that dopamine impacts your body and your mind. I'm sorry, alcohol impacts your body and your mind. And I've talked to so many doctors and psychologists and experts on my podcast about this, but Taking alcohol out of your body for two weeks and three weeks and the entire month, you will notice the difference in how you feel and the difference in your body and your energy and your optimism and overall sense of contentment over that period of time. So, so many stats, you know, of course, everybody's learning because it actually was not common knowledge or shared for a long time that alcohol is associated with seven kinds of cancer. I mean, everybody knows smoking causes cancer. What's interesting is consuming a bottle of wine, whether it is like me in a night or over the course of the week, which is five drinks, super common, is the same cancer risk as smoking 10 cigarettes. Can you imagine these days smoking 10 cigarettes and not you know, registering that that will not having a sense that like, this is really bad for me. Yeah. Yeah. Or being like, eh, it's no big deal. I do lots of things that are not great for me. So yes, cancer risk, disease risk, all that stuff. But even one glass of wine decreases your sleep quality by 25% that night. I mean, I think most people don't know that. So The first, you know, if drinking is a habit, you will be sort of more irritated, more discontent. You will crave a drink, right? Because your dopamine levels are lower. And what's interesting is a lot of women drink to relax, to shut their brain off. I was absolutely in this category. They feel like they won't be able to shut off the day if they don't drink. The truth is that alcohol is like pouring gasoline on anxiety. Like Mm, it increases the cortisol in your body for days. So you literally will feel more stressed if you drink than if you don't, but it takes a while. So, you know, give it two weeks to let it stay, you know, even out things you can do is distract yourself during that sort of 6 PM hour when you might want to crave a drink there are incredible, if you are in dry January, the world of non-alcoholic beverages out there is incredible and amazing and awesome. This is not, you know, your parents, you've got the option of O'Doul's, right? Or St. Polly Girl. Right. Like there right. are hundreds of incredible craft breweries that have every option under the sun. I swear to you, it is good. You will not taste the difference. So my favorite is Athletic Brewing Company. Their beers are incredible, but there are so many others. Guinness came out with a 0.0. Corona has a 0.0. Heineken has a 0.0. There's also non-alcoholic Prosecco and Bubbly Rosé. That's incredible. And spirits. So switch to a different drink. 
and it tastes amazing. You get the ritual, you're switching Mm -hmm. out the ingredients, but a lot of why we drink is habit, right? You want an adult beverage to transition Mm -hmm. from the day. You can also take up a new hobby. I just started guitar lessons again for the first time since I was 28. That is really fun. Do dry January like you talked about in your group with a group of friends. So you guys, instead of going to dinner and cocktails, go to brunch and on a walk. Go to a yoga class. We don't realize how small our world gets, our world of interest, when we're drinking. And when you're not drinking, your skin is going to look better you're going to sleep so much better. I mean, sober sleep is the best. You are going to have just lovely mornings of waking up and actually feeling good. You are going to have better conversations with people. And at the end of the month, you're going to notice, wow, I feel so much less stress, less anxiety, more energy, more peace, more patience with my kids than I did when I was drinking. But the flip side is the first week or two is hard, right? And so Mm -hmm. that's why dry January is amazing because it's a long enough period of time where you will feel better at the end. And even if you just do dry January, every time after that you drink and you wake up with a headache or hangover, you don't sleep well, you'll have that information about yes, you, that data collection you know? where you're like, oh, now I'm connecting dots, which I think is really significant. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that has changed, and I am so grateful for mm-hmm. this, is the perception of why people don't drink has shifted. You know, I mean, it used to be back in the day that the only people who didn't drink had a quote unquote problem with alcohol and they yeah. could not drink. And, and, you know, I literally, the word alcoholic is not even a medical term. I never use it, including about myself. That's not a thing, right? It's not a diagnosis. It's called alcohol use disorder, mild, moderate, and severe. Most adults are actually on that spectrum somewhere. Mm, you know, it just, that's just a fact in terms of yeah. the way we drink in society. Yeah. But so many people are thinking about choosing to not drink in the same way that people choose not to eat meat, become a vegetarian, become a vegan, run a marathon. It's a health and lifestyle choice that mm-hmm. people are proud of. And that is so cool. So Mm -hmm. it's not like you say, oh, actually I'm not Mm -hmm. drinking right now, or I've decided that alcohol makes me sleep worse and have more anxiety. It is no longer, oh my God, what happened? It really isn't. It's like, good for you. I'm not sure I could do that, but wow, that's amazing. Tell me how you're feeling. You know? If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want to touch on two things. First of all, I always think it's important to point out when I'm interviewing people who know about the alcohol industry and who, and am I, I have a number of, at this point, a number of sober friends who've come on the show to talk about it. I want to point out that the way we, and by we, I mean women, the way women are socialized and conditioned to use alcohol is to fund a multi-billion dollar industry that targets women. And so when you talk about like the way that we're socialized to drink and us being on the spectrum of addiction or spectrum of overuse, that is significant because we have been indoctrinated to do that. Like it's in everything and it's very subtle and it's, but it's there. And I actually, I have a friend who does marketing stuff and was telling me about this marketing campaign that they're rolling out in conjunction with an alcohol company. And it's literally like how to make warm whiskey drinks for soccer moms on the sidelines of soccer games. So like this marketing and like planning to market to moms in this way is so it's so intentional. And I love that with the advent of non-alcoholic options that we're now some of the people that are making these are the same people that are making the alcoholic drinks and they're going to benefit greatly from the NA movement. But we also have people creating NA options, NA meaning non-alcoholic, creating NA options who are like spearheading into a new industry, building a new industry and like creating massive success to counterbalance and counteract this like super bullshitty industry that has been incredibly harmful to women and caused so much addiction, so much death, so much family trauma, like so many things in there. So I think that piece is really important to acknowledge when we look at like, how did we get to where we are with alcohol, especially as it relates to use in women. And then I want to talk a little bit about alcohol and anxiety and just my own experience. If there's anything you want to add to what I just said, go ahead. I love what you said because I think that when we look at the alcohol industry and the messages we're fed, I also, I spent 20 years in marketing and brand marketing and focus groups. I mean, let's be clear that the goal of the alcohol companies is to increase market share and to increase, you know, dollars per customer share of wallet. So their goal, regardless of what they say about drink responsibly is to make you drink more and more often. And the way they've done that is fascinating. For the last 20 years, they have been targeting women and mothers specifically as the group of the population who they want to drink more. And they've done it in overt ways and in very, very subtle ways. I mean, there are wines that are called, you know, mommy's timeout. For real, Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. are, you know, the way that there's been sort of the pinking of the alcohol industry, right? Like Rosé is cute on purpose. T-shirts that say Rosé all day or Mm -hmm. the margaritas made me do it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? This mom runs on coffee, Amazon Prime and wine. You know, this Mm -hmm. is 
exactly what they want to happen. And then it's almost a circular firing squad where we're like, we've been so conditioned by the alcohol industry that we are not passing those messages unconsciously to each other constantly. So I'm stressed out here, honey, have a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. I had a bad day. Oh, girl, let's go get cocktails. It's been a tough week. But that is definitely shifting. And let's be clear, the alcohol companies are scared to death about the fact that like they're losing sort of the market share hold on messaging around alcohol is shifting. The fact that the American Cancer Society only came out last year to say, by the way, no amount of alcohol is zero cancer risk. No amount of alcohol is good for you. That data was out there two decades ago. You know, mm-hmm. they just were pressured to not communicate it. So it is what it is. But I, like you uh, mentioned, I love supporting those companies that are not alcohol industry parts of them. The non-alcoholic alcohol industry, which sounds weird to say, but basically non-alcoholic options of beer, wine, and spirits has grown by 30% year over year for the past couple of years. The alcohol industry as a whole, because of this difference, right? The sober curious movement with younger generations, and then the really growth of heavy, heavy drinkers amongst baby boomers and Gen Xers has only grown by 3%. So they're being forced by market factors to produce these. So I love that there's a 0.0 Guinness. I love that there's a 0.0 Corona and Heineken because those they have the distribution and they have the marketing and they have the ability to put those in stadiums and you know concert halls. But if you want really good options, you know, go to, I did an entire podcast on the best non-alcoholic beverages and all the guys who are growing really fast that are not funded by the alcohol industry. Oh my God. I love that. Okay. I want everyone to go find that episode. We'll link to that episode in the show notes. Right? Cause I think that right? for all my, like, it's so aligned with like the feminist movement and just so many things yeah. that I think that my clients are like really committed to in terms of like, we're not going to just stand idly by while we're brainwashed by industries for the, for corporate greed. So I want to touch on before we get closer to the end here and oh my gosh, I don't want it to be the end, but I want to talk a little bit about women in anxiety, because I've talked really openly about my anxiety. And I know that so many of my listeners manage anxiety, whether it's diagnosed or not. And that can look really different on any given day, like on any given day that you are parenting or showing up as a woman in the world, (laughs) anxiety can show up, whether it's situational or like a chronic situation. Like for me, it's chronic. So one of the things that I find at the end of the day is that if I am in work mode and work mode is like my brain is on really heightened awareness when I'm working, where I'm constantly like trying to do three things at one time and it's a lot to manage. And then I get done and it's, I have a hard time switching from that to like making dinner. And so to try to calm my brain, whether it's my anxiety or some undiagnosed ADHD, I believe it also could be, but to calm my brain and make my brain like destimulate from everything I've been trying to hold in it all day. I find that alcohol is really helpful with that. And I, this is something that like I've tracked over time to be like data collection, like, okay, why are you wanting to have this drink right now? Because you're in this transition, you're trying to quiet your brain so that you can move into more relaxing evening and all the things that you said. So what I've found is, or what I've considered is what are other things that allow for a transition in my day that can create 
a similar response from my brain and kind of by accident, I found things over time that work really well. And to no one's surprise, they kind of involve moving my body because I'm always talking about how like motion helps process emotion. Yeah. But I, in doing triathlon training and also in the pandemic, like just needing to like get space from my family, I would start doing like 10 to 15 minute sessions of just moving my body in the evening. And sometimes that was getting on the Peloton and just like not riding for like a massive sweat workout or anything, but just to like get my brain to calm down and which helped a ton. And then when I would get off, I'd be like, Oh, like, I feel like really pretty chill and pretty Zen. Like I can now move to this next part of my day where I'm going into like mom mode for the evening. The other thing that really helped is, or helps is having a transition activity that is either like going and running an errand mm-hmm. or going, getting out of the house and walking the dog. I mean, for yeah. literally like two blocks, yeah. but there, there's like some sort of transition where my brain can make a natural shift instead of me like okay, I need some chemicals to change my brain right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's been really, really helpful for me. And I wanted to mention that I'm sure you have other things along those lines, but that was, that's kind of what's been helpful to me if, if that helps. Yeah. And I, I mean, when you were talking again, I could talk to you for an hour about this. So many things popped into my mind. The first is I want to validate what you said about the fact that alcohol does work in that way. It hits our bloodstream really, really quickly. It is both a depressant and a stimulant, which is really interesting. And so what it does is it does slow down every aspect of your body. It shuts off parts of your brain, which is really crazy to think of the fact we're basically trying to knock ourselves unconscious with alcohol, but it also gives you energy. So it's this crazy combination of chemicals hitting your body. Women, especially high achieving women, especially women who work and have kids or God, even harder, stay home with their kids all day and then have the evening, this marathon want to downshift really, really quickly, right? We have no time for ourselves. So we go, go, go. And then we're like, I have literally two hours to relax. So I want to continue working with my kids, doing all the things and also downshift. So alcohol is the easy button. And the problem is it's a maladaptive coping strategy. It's Mm. like it works, but it actually makes your sleep, your energy, your anxiety way, way worse. So the problem is, or the solution is, like you said, to take more breaks during the day, to move your body to allow yourself that like 15 minute break between work and kids or to take 10, 15 minutes to yourself. I find music really helps like actually listening to music you like to being quiet and alone, whether you're walking or you're in your room alone for a few minutes and also to decompress throughout the day and make sure you eat, right? Make sure you Mm. eat something with protein and fat at 4 p.m. I have my clients like set an alarm so they're not going into that 6 p.m. time starving. And I'm so so glad you said that because yeah. that is absolutely a trigger for me. If I'm starving, I'm like I don't need a string cheese and some crackers. I'm like I a glass of wine will f- fill that gap. And, and alcohol has a ton of sugar in it. So it is mm-hmm. spiking, you know, those dopamine cells in your brain and then you are crashing in the same way if you ate a ton of sugar. And so there is so much here, but I just want to encourage people, dry January is amazing. Even if this is halfway through, take the opportunity to take a little break from drinking 
as your main coping mechanism, not I'm going to have two drinks or I'm only going to drink on Saturday, but literally a longer period of time without alcohol to reset and you're going to feel better. And, you know, I promise you the wine, the beer is going to be there. Nobody's taking it away. So if you don't love the way you feel, you can go back to it, right? It'll be there, but give yourself the opportunity to get that information. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. This has been so helpful. So this episode is going to go live in January. So for people who are wanting to try dry January and you're like, oh, but dry or January started. So I can't, <laughs> you can start at any time, start at any start anytime. And then Casey, where do you want to point people so that they can get resources and tools from you as they're considering either starting this right now or yeah. at some point down the road? My website is hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I have a podcast called the Hello Someday Podcast. It's specifically for sober, curious women. I have so much information in both of those places, including a 30 tips for your first 30 days alcohol free, which I know some of your membership members used completely free. You can get it sent to your inbox and it will have so many suggestions, what to buy at the store, what to eat, what to do in your evenings, how you'll feel on day seven, you know, all that good stuff. I love it. So I'm going to link to everything in the show notes. Quick question. Can your content be useful for men as well? It definitely can. All the tips I have are very, very useful for men. And a lot of women do dry January with their husbands, but I know, and I know, you know, women have specific pressures and specific dynamics in the way we're raised and socialized in the world. And I just wanted to not provide a one size fits all solution. Right. And thank you for that. I think that piece is really important, but yes, I love your point. If people want to do it with partners or like that, it's all appropriate both ways. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Casey, you have to come back again because we just always have so many things to cover and time is there's just never enough. Can you tell me in one sentence how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? Oh yeah. I mean, just being honest and you mentioned anxiety, I have anxiety. I have a mild mood disorder. I struggle with my kids and love them. But, you know, I just feel like the more that we're vulnerable and the more that we share what we're going through, the closer we are and the more other women and other people are able to be vulnerable too. It brings us closer and it lets us honestly support each other. Absolutely. Oh, Casey, thank you so much for being here. We'll do it again for sure. I so appreciate you and the work that you're putting out in the world. And thank you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. 
Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.